You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast. Podcast training the church. Hey, this is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my two lovely co-hosts and a big group of our friends. Hey, everybody. So great. So glad you joined us for a a live recording of the Family Discipleship Podcast. To my left, your right again is Cassie Bryant. How are you doing tonight, Cassie? Great. I'm instantly regretting only eating beef jerky and Cheez-Its for dinner. Oh, I can smell it from here. Did you get any mints? I knew you were going to say that. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, there are people here tonight, Cassie. This is, and thanks for talking about what you ate tonight. That's really bringing it back. That's why I did it. And it's also, it's Thursday. Oh, I just felt like I should say the day Thursday of the week, night, too. It's 7.35 p.m. Yep. Yeah, it's not quite bedtime. And to <laughs> my right, your left, Chelsea Griffin, the love of my life. How are you doing tonight, Chelsea? I'm good. Keep describing me with more terms like that. Okay. <laughs> Lovely, gorgeous, fantastic, brilliant, Don't hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Thanks. All right, and tonight's episode is a Q&A. We have no idea where this is going to go, but my one of my dear friends, his full name is Kyle Worley from the Knowing Faith podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This guy. He's here tonight. He's going to wander the room, and we would love it. Who's the bravest person in the room who can get us started with a good question? You got Matt right back there. Go, Matt. Thank you, Kyle. This is a question about spiritual gifts. So we have uh, an eight-month-old daughter who is starting to show some signs of personality. And as much as I could invest in being like a super intense ballet dad, (laughs) I think it's probably better that I identify and nurture her spiritual gifts. And so I'm just wondering if there's advice that you have or looking back on your parenting journey how you identified and then invested in the gifts that God has already given her. Oh, that's a good question, Matt. Thanks yeah. for asking Has she it. professed faith at eight months? She's eight months old. I was just curious. <laughs> I thought he was going to say she's been prophesying. <laughs> yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought he was going there. And then I was just going to be like, get down here. Get down here and give us a word. Well, I th- when I think about spiritual leadership in our homes, I think primarily about um, the fruit of the Spirit and in the gospel, right? When we look at the early church after Jesus rises from the dead, the apostles in the book of Acts, they go out and their message is to repent and believe. And uh, that's ongoing, right? Even once we profess faith in Christ and we want to follow him, we continue to repent and to believe, to believe him more and more, to repent of things that don't honor God. And so that is the ongoing message in our parenting, even when our kids have not professed faith, right? We're going to keep exposing them to the truth about God and that message of let's repent and believe, and then to try to cultivate um, the fruit of the Spirit. But then the spiritual gifts are the power of the Spirit manifest in your child's life. And I think it's going to take a while. And and that could be really fluid, you know, um, what we see in our children. So very hard to like to pinpoint unless, you know, there's something very powerful that happens. Like if you get like an audible word from God that your child will do this or that or something like that. Mm. But outside of that, we have the scriptures that really promote Christ-likeness as it manifests through the fruit of the spirit. And so I would say as a parent, you know, we continue to cultivate those things, to expose our children to the truth of God, to the commandments of Christ, and see what unfolds. And we will expect that if your child professes faith and is given the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we also receive gifts. Right. 
and those are going to come out. And so you're not going to miss it. You're not going to say, oops, I, I didn't help identify my child. I didn't take them to the right online website to do the quiz and find what is my gift of the spirit. And, and so I missed it. And so now they're not doing what they're supposed to do. <laughs> the Lord is, is so good. And yeah. that, that's not going to happen for you guys. But there is yeah. uh, also a word to say, like, every kid is different. So God has designed your kid with some unique you know, gifts, talents, desires, preferences, and those things may shift as they grow. But, you know, when you have one kid, remember, Chelsea, when we first had Oscar, you think, oh, this is what our parenting results in, this kid. And then you have a second kid and go, we didn't change, but this kid is totally different. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, and so there's yeah. an aspect of like, God knit together your child in the womb yeah. and he gave you this daughter. And so what is she gifted in and how will the Lord use it? And sometimes we can create kind of like a really rigid idea around what a person should become because this is who their mom is and this is who their dad is. And some of those things we have to be a little bit more open-handed in and say, what the Lord might do with this child, I don't know. I know that I'm going to constantly direct them to the fruit of the Spirit, back to Christ, but I want to take into account how did God make this kid maybe even different than I expected or maybe even different than I hoped and cultivate those things that are holy, but mm-hmm. also point them in directions say, whatever your preference is, is there a way to serve the Lord with it? Yeah. 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 I would say emphasize their Mago Day. So like they are made as an image bearer. And so, you know, each of our daughters has different strengths. One is very compassionate. And so we'll talk about her compassion and how that's something that images how God is compassionate. And then one is very justice oriented. Right now it's according to her sense of justice. Uh, <laughs> but it's like that God is just. Only God is just actually. And so you don't have to be the executor on what is right and wrong. And then uh, our youngest is, we call her our little truth teller. She is so honest and tells the truth. And so I think as they start to, she her personality comes to life and you see the image of God in her. Yeah. You can call that out and point her. Like you're like the moon uh, reflecting the sun. You're imaging God and you get to just point her to him. Amen. All right. Who else has a question tonight? Thank you guys for doing this. This is a blessing. So as a parents of three young kids, including a uh, almost four-month-old, I think that we, most days, our discipleship can kind of vary depending on the behavior that we're uh, getting to experience. And so like making it through dinner and to uh, bedtime, you know, sometimes we're, we're at the end of our rope. And I'm just curious, like as you guys have moved into a different season with kids kind of in elementary and older, what has the family, what the discipleship patterns looked like in your particular homes? It's a great question. So it's kind of like, how is discipleship growing as our kids are getting older or how is it changing? Yeah. What do you think? I'd say as, as they've gotten older, it's definitely gotten more interactive. So when they were really little, um, you know, we're reading, praying, and singing, and but not expecting very much from them. Um, now as they're older, it's really sweet to get to hear from their heart and to be able to read the scripture and ask them what they see, what are their observations, and also to, to expect them to confess in or to, to really pray. As much as we love to pray for them, our kids are old enough and they're just, there's, it's, it's a sweet and tender, real home group that at our church, you know, we call our community groups home group. Like we have a, we have a real home group at our home. Um, our kids will pray for us. They will worship with us. And so it's, it's just more interactive and they're paying attention more. They're learning more. And I would just encourage you to like press on because a lot of those days when they're really young, it feels like, is this, mm. is this making a difference or did this one moment or devotional time, did this make a difference? Um, But I really think the sum total makes a difference um, in the perseverance in it. So hang in there. If you're getting blank faces or it looks like, you know, man, I mean, for a long time, I was like, these kids don't even speak English, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All of our kids are still unemployed. 
Yeah. You know, it's just very Every single one disappointing. of them. Never worked a day in their lives. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, if maybe a good example would be that when our kids were, you know, in the four-month-old range, we're praying, but they're not. Right. Then as they're getting older, we're praying and we're asking them to repeat after us, like, hey, say this. And, you know, we're, we're kind of coaching them on this is the way we pray. As they get a little older, maybe we ask them, like, what do you want to pray for? And I'll pray for you. And now that our kids are elementary age, we ask them to pray for one another. And we tried to build in familiarity with asking people what they can pray for and then having them pray out loud. We actually, in the Griffin household, make it a competition for who gets to pray. I never want to ask who would like to pray and it be silence and everybody say, I'm just trying to be polite, you know, just seeing if anybody else wants. So we compete for it. And if two people say, I'll pray at the same time, we rock, paper, scissors to see who's going to get to pray. And it's competitive. And that's the way our house works. That's not everybody's house, but that's the way our house works. This can make your dinner cold, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) If there is an ongoing rock, paper, scissors battle, and every time it is rock, and we're just still going, and I'm like, this food is going to be microwaved. (laughs) Rock always wins, you know? I tried to implement this with my women's Bible study group, and it hasn't quite taken off. Oh, okay. We're three three semesters in, and I'm like, remember, we fight for the opportunity to pray because it's a privilege to speak to the Lord. And so when I say, who would like to pray? This mousy quietness after we all just like (laughs) chatted over each other for 15 minutes. And then I'm like, who would like to pray? And it is dead silent. I'm like, fight, fight for it. It's an honor. Uh, But yeah, it hasn't taken, but I'm not giving up. Amen. Uh, But that to say, like every family is a little bit different. Every kid's a little bit different, but it definitely is, is maturing as we go and certainly matures us as well. We have to grow as parents in the way we think about it and what we're going to be doing with our kids. We also have to get on the same page sometimes more than we did when they were really little. Yeah, they're they're smarter. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not outsmarting us yet, but it's coming very one soon. Of, one of ours is smarter Okay, than one of them's me. smarter than yeah. me. That's true. <laughs> no, he's yeah. smarter than me. No, that's not true. No. Thanks. Uh, yeah, you're beautiful. You're smart. <laughs> you're fine. No, but they're smarter, so you have to have more answers. And yeah, that's true. Yeah. And they are, you know, we give them a lot more chances now to ask questions and to even process things that have happened. Like we went to another church this summer when we were on vacation and we left that church and it taught some theology that we don't, they don't normally hear. And our kids were quick to say, hey, do, do we believe the same things they were saying? <laughs> what Adam means is that it was my job while we were on the road to select a church that would be like where we were headed. <laughs> and based on their website, I thought, I bet the worship here is awesome. <laughs> and it was, y'all, it was great music. And then this guy got up and the first thing out of his mouth was just uh, a teaching and a doctrine that we don't subscribe to. And uh, we sat there and then as soon as we walked out, our oldest goes, so do we believe all that? We're like, it is going to take longer to unpack what we were just taught with Uh, our children than it was to be there. But I will stand by the fact that their worship team was bomb. (laughs) So I used to be in education. You think about things as Bloom's taxonomy, which is like this list of like education words to think about how are they growing as they learn. And Cassie, I'd love to throw it to you here in a second to say like, uh, what's different from preschool to elementary as you guys are thinking about it. But there is a sense now where we're working on uh, being able to distinguish truth from not truth and not just saying, here's what's true. So when they're really little, you're going like, trust mom and dad, this is what's true. Now they're at an age in elementary school where we're going like, can you tell the difference? And I was really proud of our son for walking out of our church and going like, uh, discerningly, is yeah. that in line with the things you guys have taught us? Which the answer was, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> Cassie? 
Yeah, I would say every season is different and every family is different. There you are. Sorry. <laughs> couldn't remember who asked the question. And every family is different. So I'd caution about like comparing to people around you, but also like doing it alongside others is just helpful so you can get ideas. Uh, while kids are young, it's great to be really creative and use creation and nature and, you know, at bath time, telling stories from the Bible with the, include water. I mean, all of those types of things. You're going to be engaging all the senses. And then as they get older and more cerebral, then you're able to like kind of dive, dive into some of the, uh, the deeper doctrines. But while they're young, man, it's painting for them the picture of like who God is and the wonder of who God is and just getting them to be as excited about God as they are about a flower that they found on a walk, you know? And so I think that while they're that age, it's, it's more of like as we go, maybe than it is like a rigid, like we're doing it at this time every day. And so, and just have a ton of grace for yourself. So, you know, what works, honestly, like what works for our family right now is going to be different when Advent starts or when basketball season picks up or it just changes. And so you've got to be flexible and then on the same page with your spouse. I mean, Eric and I just were like, we've need to pick back up or find a different day of the week because what we were doing doesn't work. And, um, and so, yeah, you just stay in communication and be on the same team. Yeah. That's good. Let's get another one. Kyle Worley. Yes. I have a question. Mm. Uh, if you had to pick one fast food restaurant that represented your parenting philosophy and style, mm. what restaurant would it be? And why? And why? Okay. What fast food restaurant represents our parenting philosophy? Yes. And why? Don't make me go first. Chelsea's an expert in fast food. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I am a fast food connoisseur, and I keep trying to try to think of a way to make Wingstop fit our parenting style. <laughs> um, and I was thinking about those fries and how they're kind of, y'all know, does everybody know about the Wingstop fries? If you don't, you're wrong for that. But the it, but they they put like a little sugar on them or whatever, so they're both sweet and salty. And I was gonna try to like stretch this, but the reality, I think I just wanted to say that I like Wingstop best. Um, but Adam's gone gluten free, so it's kind of uh, oh, it's kind of hurt our real bummer. Our Wingstop efforts liberated from gluten. Um, I don't know how that connects to parenting, uh, except that they produce good work every time. You know? Oh. And you think our parenting produces good work every time? <laughs> no, like, I can't find a way to stretch this. You okay. talk about like, fast food. Uh, Chick-fil-A because we don't parent on Sundays. Because it's blessed. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the Lord's chicken, church's chicken. That probably makes a lot of sense for us. Man, that is okay. a really strange question, Kyle. I'm really having a hard time with it. Uh, I'd like to say it's probably a little bit like Taco Bell because... While a lot of people would look at it and go, oh, that seems pretty good. There's also a lot of people that look at our parenting and would say, yeah, I would never do that. Oh, that's and, good, babe. Uh, that's good. I think You're right. hopefully what's true about that is that the people that look at our parenting and say, yeah, that's really good would be the people that hopefully are seeing us disciple our kids. And what's true is we have a whole world that would find that very unappealing. Yeah. Uh, I have some friends who do not love the Lord who looked at my parenting and said, you are, you are really misleading your kids by telling them what to believe. You need to let them choose for themselves what to believe. And of course, the truth is, if I don't tell them what to believe, the whole world is going to tell them what to believe. I'd be the only one not doing it. Very similar to the person who says, Taco Bell is not good. And so you decide for yourself who's right and who's wrong. <laughs> Doritos Locos taco shells. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm in. I bet Cassie can't name a fast food restaurant. Besides, I, I literally like, Petra this is and the, the Beast, does that count? I think Starbucks technically is fast food now, yeah? Okay. I'm going to pick it mostly because you can find one anywhere in the world. Oh. And I we like to travel. And so we're like, we're going to want to do discipleship on the go. We're going to like, so. That's, that's good. That's what I'm going to say. 
So your parenting is like Starbucks because you like to do it everywhere. We like to we like to do it everywhere. We want a family discipleship. If we want to do it in Rome, we're going to do it in Rome. There's a Starbucks in Rome. We can do it there. That's great. I love it. If you're just not third world country, sounds like you're really bougie. <laughs> Are there not any in third world countries? Oh, I, I doubt that there's a lot of Starbucks. Can in we third fact world check country. that, Brad? Okay. We'll come back around. <laughs> like Brad became the fact checker all of a sudden. Brad, we're we, going to end up scrapping this whole thing. Put that yeah, in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. This put is that not in the show it. notes, Brad. All right, let's get another question. That was a good one, Kyle. Thank you. Over here. I'm curious if you all could share a simple tradition or milestone marker that your family does that you think is worth sharing with others. I know that you don't want to be prescriptive and all families are individuals, but maybe just something really simple that you love and you think is worth sharing. Good. This comes from an example I had from a mentor when my kids were little and she said at Christmas time, they would hide the baby Jesus of the nativity in the tree and have their young children go find Jesus oh. and say, he is the first gift of Christmas. So something that's that. just simple, but really has been formative. That's great. Too. Other than the cakes, other than the hip- okay. <laughs> hypocrisy. Okay. Yeah. What, what's a simple milestone tradition? I know Bryant's, you guys have some. No, I mean, honestly, we're really terrible at traditions. I, and I've said this before on the podcast. I think, and I've talked with my counselor about this because <laughs> I think I feel like, I feel like tradition is like claustrophobic. It feels like I have to do it then every time. And that makes me itchy. And and then I feel locked into it. And then I'm like, what if I want to do something different next year? What if I don't want to hide the baby Jesus mm. and hide it? And so give me a minute to think <laughs> if we've got one. Okay. Because well, I, we'll I just got casting. itchy thinking about it. Tradition, <laughs> if I don't it didn't make you not. itchy in the last episode when we talked about hair and cake, but you're itchy thinking about hiding Jesus in a Christmas tree. I'm, I just know I'm bad at traditions. Oh, uh, okay. All right. So, yeah. Chelsea, what, think what about comes to mind for you? It. Milestones, simple ones. Oh, I immediately thought about how we blindfold our children to make them cut their own birthday cake, but yeah. that's not spiritual. We just, <laughs> we just do it. <laughs> we could really force a spiritual meeting say, on that. What, we have not tried to like turn that um, no. into any like spiritual moment but we do that we we blindfold our kids and give them the knife and then uh and then they cut the cake and the idea is that like you're cutting your own piece um and so uh it it goes great every time it's a lot of fun and and adam and i do it too on our birthdays uh but there's yeah nothing spiritual about that (laughs) just just a good time so right now when our our boys are eight ten and twelve so two of them have already reached this milestone but when they're ten they go on a trip with adam um that he kind of curates to the personality of each child and so so far only two of our boys have gone on that but it's been really special and meaningful um and adam thinks i think you do a great job plan planning it to have some really meaningful conversations that are not one time in your life is when i'm going to just talk to you about girls or talk to you about curse words or whatever but he does have some planned conversations like that and also just some really sweet fun things um and yeah i think it's a really sweet milestone and um you know i'm sad i don't get to go but i i love yeah i love what you've done on those trips with the boys and i think theo has a lot to look forward to when he turns 10 but i think that's a sweet one but we're thinking of more and um our oldest son professed faith this past summer and so um he'll he'll be baptized soon and we're really excited about that and making that a milestone and uh the day that he professed faith as well as his baptism day to do special things in the future to remember that and continue to celebrate i'm hoping that for his the anniversary of him professing christ that yearly will be able to do something to look back and say, look how you've grown. Yeah. 
Look what That's the Lord good. did in this past year that like you're one of following him. Look at all he did in just a few months since, since our child received the Holy Spirit, we see so much mm. growth and so much change. And it's the kind of thing that like we would love to parent our children into a heart change, but we haven't been able to, right? We can teach the truth, but then the spirit comes along and just does things that we could have never, ever done. And I'm so excited to point him back to that and to say, look at what kind of man the Lord is making you into. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I think yeah. in line with your question too, we do have some bigger milestones we're working on. You know, I've, I've talked before about the journal Bibles that uh, we've done, mm-hmm. uh, that I'm, I journal through a Bible for each one of my kids and my hope is to give that to them one day. One of, the, one of the simpler ones though, I think, is like every Thanksgiving, we pull out the same tablecloth and on that tablecloth, we put out a bunch of markers and everybody who's uh, attending Thanksgiving, which often at our house is other, other people whose families are far away, single people, neighborhood people who maybe are new to America that haven't celebrated Thanksgiving before. And we put out markers and they can write on the tablecloth what they're thankful for. And so we've done that now for for, I don't know, six or seven years. Yeah. And so now when we put out the tablecloth, it's covered in many years of our kids' script that like is obviously getting mature and more mature every year, but it's always full of gratitude. And there's some years on there that are like, I'm thankful for Batman. Actually, there's probably several years. There, I was going to say, there's a lot on there about Batman. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, like drawings of Batman, thankful for Batman. <laughs> but the yeah. boys love it because they look back and they're like, yeah, when I was three, I was legitimately grateful for Batman and couldn't write. And so I drew a picture of him and I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, but it's a very simple thing we do one day a year that tablecloth comes out and there was no plan for it It just kind of like it happened that first year and we've just kept bringing it out and you can also see who was at thanksgiving yeah in which years which is really sweet as well so i think our kids have appreciated that and it's hopefully fostered some gratitude cassie anything come to mind for you yet or are you struggling and i'm like i'm still itching to be like hey my friends in the room what do we do what are my traditions because i feel like they might have a better but i just i did think of one that um I have a necklace that my grandmother gave me. It has a little gold heart on it. And gosh, maybe in starting in second grade, uh, our oldest daughter started having a lot of anxiety around tests. And so it was something that we put on her on test days mm. and to remind her that she's loved no matter how she does. And then the other girls started asking if they could wear one of my necklaces on test days. And so that's like, I don't know that that's a milestone, but it's just something that. that will reoccur and will happen. And they usually ask for it because they'll know better than I do when their tests are or sometimes I'll remember. But that was a really sweet, I think oftentimes, especially because they're so like tactile, like something physical for them yeah. to have throughout the day if they're away from you. Um, has been really, was I really sweet. love that's that, sweet Cassie. thing. That's awesome. So, But no, no tablecloth. I'd like to wear your house. grandma's necklace. I'm feeling a little anxious right now. Stop. <laughs> You're feeling anxious. You've got traditions. So I'm like, I'm the one to feel anxious. <laughs> it's not a competition. All right. All right. Let's have another question. Good one. Is there maybe one piece of advice that you would give parents, either new parents or parents of young children that you like look back to that season? You're like, man, I wish I'd known that Mm. just a few years earlier that I do now. That's really good. Mm. Yeah. Most of our parental advice that we follow and hand out all came from Jen Wilkins. So like true story. Yeah. I feel like I've heard it enough that I forgot it was from her. You know, sometimes I'll give it out and be like, yeah, that was wise. We came up with that. And then I'll hear her speak (laughs) and I'm like, oh my gosh, I stole that. That's, that's her, but she's given us a lot. Chelsea, anything come to mind for you? Um, in that same vein, um, just this seems simple or maybe like it would go without saying, but teaching our children to obey is something that was taught to us and taught how to do that. Yeah. And I've been so grateful because there was no way I could have, I didn't have any wisdom about parenting. In a lot of ways, Adam and I had kind of a blank slate for some things of wanting to do something new and different 
than than what our families of origin did, but not knowing what that would be. And um, Jen Wilkin did some teaching at our church and some one-on-one stuff with me that was really helpful. But this is a little sad to say, but I'm sure a lot of us moms have been around moms who complain about their children and talk about how much they want their children to go to bed. They can't wait for that. They need wine. They need time away. And The and, moms need wine, not the kids, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know. Somebody <laughs> does. I don't know. I don't even like wine. Um, but uh, I think some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that always just grieves my heart when uh, when moms can get together and kind of commiserate, kind of like, isn't this the worst? I'm like, man, this is the most unbelievable treasure that we could have. And I cannot believe that the Lord um, gave me these three sons that he gave us. But in teaching them to obey us at an early age and teaching them that we ex- what we expect, which is first-time obedience, has made them delightful. It made our family and our home more peaceful. Um, and so it, doesn't, it does not wear me out to be with them or to parent them. And so I would encourage parents that there's a lot of work and intentionality that goes in to disciplining a two or three-year-old, especially one that has that really wants to test the boundaries, that really wants to do their own thing and teaching them that they're actually going to submit to mom and dad and that's what's best. And ultimately with their life, we hope that they have a continued life of submission and obedience. So this isn't something you graduate from. This is a lifestyle, right? And so really trying to implement that and the fruit that it will create in your home when it comes to joy and peace is, yeah, is innumerable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. first time obedience was a big one. That was really important. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes they happen to children. When God Makes Scribbles Beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that God can take their hard things and use them for good. This picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere. Readers will journey through God's promises from the Bible, inspiring hope and faith in God's good and redemptive plan. Hard things don't always go away, but God can turn them into something beautiful. Available at BeautifulScribbles.com. Download a free parent connection guide and printable scripture cards.
important. I think uh, something else, another piece of advice somebody gave us was about expectation setting on your way into something. Yeah. So on your way into an event, on your way into an evening, setting the expectations not only for each other, but for your kids. And that's still something I'm struggling with. Even today, like during this podcast recording, our kids are in another room entertaining themselves, which I trust them to do. But I didn't set that expectation for them this morning when they left the house. Our kids have been here all day. And so our oldest son was like, I, he was really kind of grieving going, I didn't realize I wasn't going to get to go home until so late. And I was like, man, that's on me. I did not set that. Ex- I had that in my head that that was the plan. Yeah. I did not tell them. And that one really likes to know the plan. He loves to know the plan. But sometimes yeah. we forget to tell him the plan because we don't tell him the plan until we have all the answers. And then we forget that we never told it to him at all. Um, and so that can be <laughs> upsetting. But, but yes, when our children were little going into, um, especially like another family's home, and just setting a lot of expectations. What if? Um, what will we say if someone puts food that looks yucky to you in front of you? Will we say, gross, I don't want to eat that? Or what will we say? And just yeah. helping our kids plan because I think that they want, they want to be respectful or they want, they want to please their parents at a young age. Mm-hmm. And so we're helping them on the way into a birthday party for another child. What to expect? Did you know this is going to be all about somebody else? Just so you know. And and really build that expectation. This is so great. We're going to celebrate somebody else. This is exciting. We're going to give them gifts. It's their special day. Um, Things like that. Going into events and setting expectations for what we planned to see from them and what they could expect from the event. Right. That's excellent. Cassie? Yeah, I would say don't neglect the church. The church is a really good gift from God to us. And... Uh, something I've seen in however long I've been ministering now is that when families do that, it, it will inevitably, it just, and we're all going to face challenges, but I'm not saying that the families that face challenges is because they didn't come to church, but the ones who are really a part of the church, the fellowship of believers that are consistent, that are in community, uh, that come under the authority and care of the leadership of their church, all of that, it is it bears so much fruit in the life of that family, Amen. especially when things get hard, especially when there's challenges. And there are going to be a lot of great excuses to not be a part of the church as your kids get older. And uh, a lot of things that want to compete with that time. And so, and I don't, that doesn't mean you have to be there every time the doors are open by any means, but to belong to a faithful church is a gift from God and to not neglect that would be my advice. Preach. That's good. Yeah. Good question. Let's have another. Hey, Cam. Hi, Cam. I have a question. When I was growing up, my parents were really good about making church a priority. And that has always stuck with me. What did your parents do that you are doing maybe without really even thinking, but what things did your parents do that you're passing on to your kids? Wow, okay. Cassie? I think something my mom did that I always really appreciated is she just talked to me like an adult. I think she just never dismissed me, uh, but she really took seriously the questions I had, especially as things in our life got hard. And um, I like to think that that's what we do in our house. Like, we're not afraid of real conversations. We don't treat them like they they can't understand or comprehend a truth about who God is or about what's going on in the world. But we assume that if it's something they're old enough to observe, then there's a way to distill it in a way that honors God and that can challenge them or help them. And so uh, my mom, I don't know if she just came by naturally or if someone equipped her to do that, but um, she's just, and she still does that even with my girls. Like, it's really sweet. Uh, the relationship that I had with her and how that grew up. I grew up then to be good friends with her because she treated me not like, I mean, I guess like an equal. I mean, she was my mom, but she just- She gave you know. value. She, yeah, she gave me value. She dignified the the things that I wanted to talk about. So. Yeah, that's good. I think my parents, 
tried really hard to provide Christian community for me that was age appropriate. And I, I was a very mischievous kid. Like there were a lot of teachers that would retire before teaching me. You know, they, they did not want to have me in class. And if a lot of them, if they knew I was a pastor now, it would shock them. You know, it would be it's just unbelievable. And so my parents really focused on making sure that I had opportunities to be around Christian kids my age and around Christian mentors outside our house. So that I was discipled in the church. I would also be, you know, in, in camps and in the, I went to a Christian school. Part of that was my, my parents going, we really need Adam to have a better Christian community. And I know that was a focus for them. And part of that was driven by fear of what would happen if I didn't surround myself with people who love Jesus. And part of that was driven by just a gospel desire to see their son come to know and follow Jesus and them not be the only voices providing that for me. So I think I see that in the way we prioritize our kids, not only being discipled by us, but being discipled by other adults in the church, as surrounding them with other families, who not only other families who disciple like we do, but certainly that they are not alone in the universe. It's one of the blessings of living in a city that has a church is that there are people who are Christians raising their kids as well, including your family, that we love having our kids around. So they might see, hey, we're not the only crazy people out here telling you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And so they grow up believing or seeing that like we can believe this together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that we're called to be set apart, but there's we're still not alone. So we haven't been abandoned. I'd also say about Adam's mom, she is so prayerful. That's true. She is so prayerful. And Adam and his siblings have so benefited from her steadfast, persistent prayer their entire lives. Man, she's a godly woman. Yeah, amen. She's the best. Look at her go. In my house growing up, there were a lot of things that were far from perfect. One thing I'll say that was really beautiful that my parents did is they were very ready to share what we had. And so it was not uncommon for um, someone to be living with us for a while or someone who is not in a safe situation to come and be with us. Or um, in college, I'd come home and be like, "Um, where's the truck? And they're like, oh, we gave the truck to someone. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) For someone extra to be with us at Christmas time. Um, And then for that person to receive... just absolutely showered with gifts, even though maybe my mom found out they didn't have anywhere to go for Christmas two days before that. Things like that would just touch my parents' heart, and they um, they just showed no hesitation about giving. And that was very impactful to me of like, you don't have to sit there and calculate it. You can trust God with it. You don't have to think that hard about it. This person said they needed a place to go. You just bring them. You just invite them. Will it be weird? Could it be awkward to have one extra person at Christmas? Well, maybe. It doesn't matter. Like, you can just trust the Lord with it. They said they needed a place to go. Just invite them. And so that's something that we've tried to implement in our home, too, and tried to follow that example to be a place, a house where our house is open and that our children see that, that there will be times where somebody is with us. We've had people from our church live with us and for short durations for one reason or another, and I hope that our kids see that not as like um, a competition to our love and affection, but go, this is, this is the real life of a Christian. Someone needed a place to go. They can come be with us. That, that should Amen. make sense. Yeah. That's true. That's true of your family. Kyle, bring us another. Eric Brinkman. Ooh, just got a shout out on the podcast. Eric Brinkman. Great dad. He's a great dad. What is your favorite family discipleship moment that God brought about in your family that you did not plan? Ooh, an unplanned family discipleship moment that we really loved. Uh, what's coming to mind for you, Chelsea? I, I don't like crying in front of people. Oh. But as soon as he asked that, I'm like, oh, I'm going to cry. 
I'll tell you in a minute. Tell us in a minute. Is that what you said? Well, I'm just you got to compose yourself. Yeah, a little bit. Thinking about yeah. um, in our role in the church, there's no way to not be exposed to I mean, a high proportion of grief and sorrow. And um, I cry on every podcast, but we're normally at our house. <laughs> just sharing with our son something really tragic that happened and seeing just the outpouring of compassion of our middle son. Yeah. Mm. That's just true. beginning to weep. And pray the most heartfelt prayers with a childlike faith, asking God to move. Yeah. And really, like, we had to tell our children about this situation because, you know, it was affecting us where we're going and where our time's being spent that moment. So there was no way to hide it. But it honestly, it felt like such a hard reality that I didn't want to share it with them. I didn't want to tell them about this situation. But, like, just seeing the Lord move and seeing that, like, we don't have to fear that it's going to be too hard. Our children were able to hear it. They were able to to take it in in their own ways. But to see our son just so moved and so prayerful um, and overwhelmed with, like, weeping on behalf of another. You don't really expect um, an eight-year-old boy to do that, or I don't, but I just felt like the Lord just showed up in that yeah. and ministered to my heart to see him mm. so grieved and so moved and so prayerful. Right. And that's not obviously to dog our other two sons either. That you know, like no. we were talking about in the first question with Matt. There's just not your each kid is different, and it is so touching to see our middle son. And you guys know our middle son. He loves your baby, and he loves so many babies. He comes up to me all the time. And he's like, "Oh, can I go where Benjamin Penny is, or can I go where Benjamin Brinkman is? Or like, what other Benjamins are there here? Whatever babies I'm gonna." You know, he just loves, and his heart is so big. So when we have to break it by telling him what's really going on in the world, it is so hard. Mm. And at the same time, so powerful to be able to, like, in that moment, disciple him. And like we said in the first question, to see, like, okay, if this is how the Lord made you with his big, tender heart, how can the Lord use that for his glory? I can see a thousand ways, but I want to usher him into that. And that is sweet. That's a good example, Chelsea. I think there's a lot of unexpected moments throughout each day that I'm grateful for. I'm tempted to think of the more grievous ones. There's, there's a lot of really, really happy ones all the time. But the ones that come to mind for me are in discipline. You know, I don't, those don't come planned. I don't plan for my kids to misbehave. I know it's going to happen again, but I'm not like thinking, oh, when I get home, they'll misbehave again. But when they do, there's a lot of really sweet conversations we get to have. And the older they get, the more self-aware they are. And when they are honest about what they did wrong, it really touches my heart. Because I think the temptation for all of us is to lie or at least to minimize what we did. And so as our kids are really grasping the idea of you are not in trouble for being honest about your sin, you would be in trouble for lying about it. And while there may be consequences for what you did, dad wants to hear every ounce of what's going on in your heart. Why did you do that? What were you thinking? Literally, like I mean, what were you thinking? And why did we do that? And hearing our kids process those things out loud and getting to speak the gospel over them about how like my love for them is not one iota diminished and neither is the Lord's. He still loves you. Here's gonna be your consequence because I wanna teach you not to do that again. I wanna show you something better. The Lord has a joy. His joy is complete in your obedience. And so those moments, those happen often, but those are a real delight to me. And I would have thought as a younger dad, I would have thought discipline was gonna be the worst part of the dad job but it's really become part of the sweetest discipleship. Cassie? I've got a more lighthearted one for you guys. It was the time my daughter invited the homeless man by uh, the bubble tea place that we frequent to live with us. 
Uh, <laughs> and this is a couple of years ago. And did you it encourage was, her to go do that? You said, go, go no, tell that guy no, to go. No, 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 no. She did it totally on her own. I was getting uh, the youngest one buckled into the car seat. And then she like basically came over and she was like, hey, I met so-and-so and this is his name. And I've told him he can live with us because we have an extra room upstairs. And, and you know, just that compassion. And it gave us an opportunity to talk about how we care for the poor, though, and, and, and talk about how um, a woman and three children uh, could walk in wisdom and caring for the poor. You know, I was like, I don't know that your dad would love me bringing home a homeless man, just the, the four of us tonight. But it just opens up all the conversation. And I think that... The moment, the thing with moments is that because they're unplanned doesn't mean that you can't be prepared. And so I guess I, I, the, I mean, I, we've shared moments, but in terms of like, if you know your kids and you know what moments might present themselves. And so you have the opportunity to prepare yourself for the questions they're going to have for the, you know, the things that are going to come up so that you don't find yourself, you know, on your back foot, um, but rather kind of like, oh, I, I was ready for this. And now we're, now we're here and I get to leverage this moment. Uh, for the gospel or to talk about who God is, which is always which is always a lot of fun when you're when you are prepared. Got time for one more, Kyle. One more question. Last one of the night. Brave soul. Come on, people. Is that Sammy Bremer, the official photographer of the Family Discipleship Podcast? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> is there a characteristic or attribute about the Lord that you are excited for your kids to experience or just like really want to go over the top with making sure that they like know the truth of. Okay, an attribute of God that we really can't wait for our kid to experience or like would really, just looking forward to them, kind of like that really connecting, like that light bulb coming on. Cassie, you think a lot about oh, the attributes man, of God. I you do. teach them all the time to kids. Is there something in particular for the Bryant girls that you would love for them? Man, to- I mean, I'd love them to know he's merciful and that they've he's forgiven their sins. I'd love for them to like believe that and apply, like to follow Jesus and profess faith because... That's so important. The other one would probably be attentive. Any time that they uh, that a prayer is answered, it's like that's right because God's attentive. He heard. Right. He heard our prayers, and so and that encourages more prayer, and that encourages a growing in faith. And so those are the two that came to mind as she was speaking. That's good. I was I always think like I'm I'm pretty cynical. And so even sometimes when I'm praying, I find myself going like, of course, God, it's going to be more than fine that you don't answer this prayer the way I'm wanting you to. <laughs> And I really want my kids to see the generosity of God and not be tainted by the cynicism of their father. I want them to see that like when you pray and God gives you what you ask for, it is so sweet. I think about like this couple right over here, Brandon and Megan, how often we prayed for a child, right? And how sweet of the Lord to answer that prayer. It wasn't when you wanted, it was a while of praying and like, oh, that's so many stories across our church and our city and our friends. We just go, man, God is so generous. He doesn't have to give and maybe he won't, but I don't want them to be like, oh, dad's right. God probably won't answer this prayer. That's not what I want them to grow up thinking. Now, implicitly, I wouldn't say that out loud, but I want our kids to pray like James describes prayer. Like you have not because you ask not, ask and God will give generously. And I want that. God's generosity. That's good. I was honestly going to say merciful at first thought, but I'll, I'll share something different. Kind of reminds us of the, of the book we're going to give out to some of you folks about the boldness of Christ as a boy, and then how the scripture talks a lot about fear. There's a lot of commands and reminders not to be afraid. And we think about our God, and our God has no rival. He has nothing to fear. He never has. And we want so badly to raise boys that are likewise fearless, 
have nothing to be afraid of. I want them to grasp that so bad. As parents, even especially as Christian parents, we can look around at our world and feel like we ha- there are so many things we better protect them from and we better watch out for, and there's so many enemies and there's so many things. Um, and so we have a lot of fears. We know that younger generations are coming up with more and more fears. Um, but man, I want them to worship a fearless God and imitate that in their life. Excellent. That's so good. Well, guys, I want to conclude this episode, but I'll tell you, we have a special guest here tonight who's going to help me do it. Now, we get to do this podcast together all the time, and the person that we talk about often but you never get to see or hear from is Cassie's husband, Eric Bryan. And Eric is here tonight. Will you guys welcome Eric up here? There he is. Come on, Eric. Come on up here, Eric. Kyle. If you're a regular listener to our podcast, you may know that Eric is not only a fantastic dad and a really great husband, and you're seeing how handsome he is now. He's also, he's also the inspiration behind our theme music for the podcast. I heard the, this music, and I was like, man, I know that Eric Bryant is one of the world's greatest whistlers. And so tonight is a special treat. As I close this out, Eric is going to whistle our theme song live in front of a live audience. Guys, let's hear it for Eric Bryant. Eric, would you, would you just bless us with a rendition of our theme music and I will read over it as best I can. Yeah. Wow, that's good. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you, listeners. That's the end of season five. We'll see you in the spring with new episodes. See you later. Woo! <laughs>